Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Chillport Podcast, episode 322, not 222. My name is Benjamin Yoder, here today to talk to you about a lot of things, actually. Um, it is kind of a hefty episode. I may make the ultimate decision partway through this to be like, start cutting content and we'll save it for next week. But <laughs> the thing we absolutely will get to this week is Evo. I'm recording this on a Sunday after I spent my time on Evo. Did not go to the finals day. Did not watch anything afterwards. It's fine. We'll live. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about Evo. Probably not in the sense of like, I don't want to just like talk about the things I went around and did. I think more than anything, I just want to talk about um, some of the conversations I had at Evo and kind of, I don't know what, I don't know if what I learned would be the right way to put it, but you know, just kind of my takeaways from the conversation I had as somebody who is not really a fighting game player beyond very, 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 very casual um, and, and stuff like that. So we're going to be talking about that with Evo. Um, we'll, we'll lead with that probably. So that'll be a per, uh, for the first part of the show. We're also going to talk about some, um, new games or maybe not new games again, but the, the new game stuff, it's like when I find them, it doesn't necessarily mean they were announced, but handful of games that caught my eye. We got a, a, a shooter, um, a train game, and then also like an advanced wars light game as well. So we'll talk about those as they come up here. Um, and then if we have time, we're going to talk about a pretty hefty Final Fantasy XI interview. I believe it was with 4Gamer, but I'll, I'll verify once we get to the actual section there. And then also a uh, update on the whole Illusion situation with, you know, we've been following them the last few weeks. Updates every week, it seems like, with, with Illusion. So, unfortunately, because it is going to be a packed episode, we are going to skip Jillian's Corner. So, again, thank you, Jillian, for supporting us on Kofi. I really appreciate it. But we will not do a question this week. So, so anyway. So, yeah. Um, I mean, just like hopping straight into Evo. Um, so, you know, if, if you don't know for some reason uh, that uh, like who I am and, and, and like how or not really who I am, but like <laughs> where I come from when it comes to fighting games, like most of the times I can do like a Hadouken, right? Like and that's easy enough for me. And then I'm going to go in and I'm just going to like punch and kick my way. I wouldn't say I'm a button masher. But I am somebody who doesn't really know, you know, the the intricacies of like fighting games and things like that, right? And obviously going to Evo, you know, one of the biggest fighting game tournaments um, in the world, maybe. Um, you know, it, it is a an event that is particularly geared and gamed at, um, uh, what words just came out of my mouth? Geared towards uh, people who are involved in the tournament scene for fighting games. So obviously kind of um you know at the level that I would say I am nowhere near and and honestly it does feel like that when I when I went there I was just like hey you know it's all fighting games so you know it's it's one particular genre that you're really seeing here of game and then also B it's just like it, it, there's a feeling of just like I don't understand most of the things that are going on here despite it being video games right it's like a weirdly like isolating fear feeling when you're at a show like that um, and so it's hard for me to like really appreciate it. So, so what my goal really was to do was to kind of like just go around and talk to people and try to just like get an understanding of how they see fighting games, right? I've talked to people about fighting games before. I would say I never really like intentionally went out of my way to try to form some thoughts. Usually it's like I get told some information and I'm like, oh, fighting game thing. And like, sometimes I'll absorb it. Most of the time, it just kind of disappears from my mind. So the goal was to kind of like think about this intensely while I was e at Evo. <laughs> so um, so I talked to a handful of people. One was uh, the developer of this game called like Tough Love Arena. Um, I think his name was M. Paul. There's another developer on I think it's a two-person team. And the other one's uh, Amy. Um, but I, I talked to Paul specifically. Um, there's another fellow who's running like a virtual on tournament that I talked to as well. And then I talked to like a few random people. Some of them were friends. Some of them were just people who are watching games and things like that. So, so I kind of like talked to like a bunch of people and just kind of asked questions to try to figure out, you know, basically what to them makes up a fighting game, what's important to them in a fighting game and how that translates to, you know, um, you know, I don't know, make, making it like a uh, uh, interesting experience, right? I guess would be the, the way to put it, maybe. I don't know. Um, and, and things like that. So um, I, I will say there's some, a few other people I did walk, talk to. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where you're at a show, you got to kind of gauge how like willing somebody is to talk to you. There's definitely people like, I went to like the hip hop box booth and like talked to a fellow there for a little bit and just get like a really weird look of just like, what? Why are you here talking to me? <laughs> so you just kind of gauge that out depending on the person kind of thing. But um, but yeah, so like I guess the three, I th maybe we could like talk about the things I looked at at Evo in kind of three different major categories, right? 
Um, two of them are more related to each other than the other. The other one is more of like appreciating it from a spectator view. So we'll kind of hold off on the spectator view kind of thing to the, to the side. Um, so the first two is, is probably more about actually playing fighting games. It's probably more relevant to me enjoying fighting games as, you know, a player, right? Um, and, and it seemed like there was kind of two major parts of fighting games that they kind of would, would, would talk about typically. Um, one is this concept of the neutral game, which I've heard that term before, but like, what, what did it really mean? I don't really know if I ever thought about it, right? It's just a term that gets thrown out and it's like, okay. <laughs> um, but you know, more, more or less the term neutral is, is basically just seems to have to do with just like positioning, uh, movement and also like reach and things like that. So, you know, fighting game, 2d fighter, two guys side by side. And then depending on how far you are from each other, you know, how you move compared to each other and also like reach. And, and, and some guy, um, had mentioned that like, he thought it, he thought of it similar to poker, which is maybe a bad analogy for me as somebody who has only had experience with like Final Fantasy 13 to poker. But I think if I remember correctly, poker is like the one where, um, it is kind of about like reading somebody else's bluff, right? You're kind of like bluffing it when you're playing. So so you're trying to kind of like bait somebody into doing something else. And the virtual on guy actually talked a little bit about this as well, where he's like in arena fighters, so like, you know, kind of like virtual on where, where it's like a 3d arena where everyone's moving around. You're trying to like lead them into bullets and stuff like that. So, but in a 2d fighter space, I think it probably has more to do probably, I mean, again, I don't really know, but like probably to do with like watching how the other player moves and if the other player goes in do you have space to react to that right whether that be blocking to open them up or you know just using something that can counter them kind of thing right whether it be have something that has a longer reach or if they whiff and and, and so you get the chance to punish it things like that um so that seems to be kind of like what mostly the neutral game is 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 about when they talk about that which i mean inherently this is something you just do when you play games i think i mean this is not like a foreign concept and i think in the way i'm describing it now it definitely is like taking it down to a base level in a way that like i just for me personally i don't think about when i'm playing video games right like obviously if i'm playing a character and i have a long pokey attack and that character is out of my usual range, but is in the long pokey attack range. I'm going to use the long pokey attack, right? That is just like, what is going to happen there, right? Um, and then so I guess like a lot of it comes down to maybe more of like the intricacies of like how fighting games work and like what what the neutral game really means. Because in the case of like the long pokey th attack and like any other game, yes, you do damage. But like, what does it mean from there? And I feel like in the case of fighting games, what it means often comes down to, like, what can you do after you poke somebody, right? And this is kind of, like, where the light hit comes in. So if you ever played, like, a fighting game, like, and you have, like, light and heavy hits, and it seems like lights typically are mainly for just, like, getting someone locked in with you, right? So you punch them with a light. And then they can't just block your heavy afterwards, right? Because they are stunned by your light hit kind of thing. Again, assuming. I'm not knowledgeable about this stuff. But that is my general general idea of what a fighting game does. So you have like a light punch and then you use that as like a way to like grab people into your attack range kind of thing. And then have it so they can't read your attack as quickly because it's a very fast move typically, right? And, and then from there, it seems to largely be about, like, you know, how, whether that character can, like, lock you in or not kind of thing, right? Um, this is something I saw, I guess we're going to mix in the spectator talk right here, it just, I think it feels natural just to roll into this. So, like, I was watching Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom 3, um, which maybe was, like, the most obvious of all these games of, like, when this would come into play, because I think what happens is, I was watching other games like Grand Blue Fantasy and Street Fighter 6, and I don't know what locks people in most of the time. So it's like this really weird thing where a combo will happen. And I'm going to take a guess that this combo that's happening is just not a very long, effective, or whatever combo, right? It's like they're dealing damage because they can deal damage right now, but it's not going to win them the game or something like that, right? So so it looks like a lot of times, it, like which combos get cheers and which combos do not get cheers really just comes down to, like, what is the potential of that combo, right? 
and and where can you go from that? I mean, I feel like that was most obvious Marvel Marvel versus Capcom three specifically. And I'm I think in, in like historically, I'm, I've been aware that like Marvel versus Capcom as video games have been ones that it's like very easy to lock people into combos, right? Just because I think the ridiculous nature of that game and maybe the number of assists. I don't know exactly what leads into that and how much of that is intentional versus just like a side effect. Um, but it, it seems to be more like locking somebody in and in that case in that game it seemed like you could literally just like lock people in for multiple characters sometimes like so they have three characters and when the one dies another one comes in but they have a setup where they can basically hit that character almost immediately um and so they can just kind of lock another character into that combo kind of thing so it seems like that seems to be kind of like the determining factor of like what what of these combos get cheers and what of these combos don't get cheers kind of thing and i think like the problem with me with games when it comes to like combo execution and things like that is like, I think when I think about combo execution in games, I think about it in the way of like a hack and slash game works probably where it's like, yes, the light is a way to basically get in on the enemy quick and then open them up for another attack. But, you know, I think about like games like Yakuza or, or, or like, you know, um, like a devil may cry game or something like that. Right. And like, what, what would you, what happens when you go into the heavy after that? Right. And usually I feel like it's just the way it's like to deal increased damage or basically to push some something back, right? So like the type of combo you use depends on just like how you want to move somebody. And I don't feel like it's so much about how you want to lock somebody in, which I'm, I'm guessing there's like a connective tissue there, right? Of like, well, you want to move somebody this way so then you can get them into this next attack combo. And so it's like about chaining those combos together. Where I feel like when you play like a single player game, like, that's not really chaining attacks together. I mean, chaining the attacks themselves together, yes. But chaining the combos together doesn't always matter. If not, most of the time doesn't matter, I'd say, in most games. And so when I play a game like Street Fighter Six, you know, like, when I'm doing what is not really a combo, but when I'm, like, sitting there hitting you with light and saying, okay, time to do more damage, time to hit you with a heavy or medium or whatever then like I'm thinking about it from that perspective of like time to get these hits in real quick. I'm going to push you out. And then that's the end of that. But I think like the, the thing is with a lot of fighting games is it seems like it's, it, 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 it is about extending that as much as possible. And depending on the game, the ability for you to extend it as a player is kind of different. Right. So I know that's like a garbly good mess that just like came out of my mouth, but <laughs> You know, I, I, I really think if there's, like, one place I'm probably never going to fully understand with, like, fighting games, it's probably the combo game, just because I don't think I'm ever at that position to, like, memorize something like that. And and one of the comparisons I, I heard um, from the Tough Love Arena developers, like, the combo game is kind of like a rhythm game at that point. And so it's more about, like, memorization and timing um, more than anything else. And he's like, and that's a really hard part for people to really get into. And and when I was thinking about that, like, rhythm game connection, it did make me think about the fact that, like, when you are playing a rhythm game, it's often, like, you're not really thinking about it, right? Which, so, like, so when you're doing a button combination, when you're doing the Hadouken, you're not thinking about the Hadouken input. You're just kind of, like, you know, putting that out. Your, your fingers kind of already know what to do when you do that. But I think... Like, part of me is wondering if that's also true for, like, the neutral game. Um, so going back to, like, positioning, movement, and reach. Um, which he actually mentioned, he did mention that, like, at some point the combo game got, like, too too busy with a lot of games. And that's kind of why you've seen a return to focusing on, like, the neutral gameplay of, like, positioning, m- movement, and reach kind of thing. Um, and putting that more towards, or putting the emphasis on, on that part of the game more than anything. And that's where, like, different things like the modern control styles came in. In the case of of Tough Love Arena, he has just, like, his own, like, control scheme. It's basically, like, you have a light attack, but that's literally all, your light attack is just one hit, as far as I can tell. One hit, and then everything after that is just heavy for the combo. Um, and so the light is meant to just kind of grab somebody in, pull them in, and then use the heavy kind of thing. And then, like, he doesn't really have punches versus kicks or anything like that. He has very vague character designs that kind of encourage you not to think about characters in that way. And I think that was actually, like, fairly smart. Because, like, a lot of times, I think the problem I have with, like, modern controls in, like, say, Street Fighter Six, where it simplifies things down to just three buttons or whatever it is, is that I have this historical reference point for Street Fighter, where you have light punches, light kicks, light like medium you know punches medium kicks and then heavy punches and heavy kicks and while i don't necessarily know what to do with those tools 
what it does give me is like predictability. So I know what's going to happen when I press that button. Where I feel like with modern, a lot of times I don't know what's going to happen with those, those buttons. And because I have this expectation of like how Street Fighter works, um, I think it creates a situation where like there's a disconnect. Where when I'm using modern controls, I don't feel like I'm in control of the game because what I'm expecting to come out as I jump between different characters, things like that, does not come out. Um, even though it is largely, you know, just light, medium, and heavies. It's just the way that the like the player controls in a game that I have that context for is not lining up. I think similar situation with like Dragon Ball Fighter Z as well. Um, but uh, in the case of like uh, Tough Tough Love Arena, you know the character is so vague that I think and like the move set is just so simplified down to basically just like here's your bring in and here's your combo button essentially, and then here's your projectile button. It it simplifies it down to a point that it's like so unrecognizable that it doesn't feel that weird to play. Um, and all the characters have this, like, very, like, weird style to them. They, they're they definitely humanoid, but, like, some of them have, like, really stubby legs, and some of them have, or, like, really long arms, and that's, like, their focus and stuff. So it's, like, they draw emphasis to different character body parts in ways that emphasize that. And, I mean, Street Fighter does this, too, right? Where, like, Chun-Li has, like, you know, big, big thighs, right? And then it's like, well, she's the kick character, <laughs> like easy enough. But this one takes it to a little bit more to the extreme, extreme level kind of thing. I feel like even though the characters are very cartoony, there's no, no defined features on them, really. They're just like outlines of characters, essentially. So, so I guess like in some ways that made it easier for me to grasp like what's happening at times, um, whether or not that is like a satisfying game to play is another thing. I did find the game moves really slow. And I, when I was talking to him, I was like, I want to be clear. I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing, but the game moves really slow. Um, and, and to some extent, I thought maybe that was like a readability thing to make sure character players could read each other's movements a little bit better. Um, but it sounds like that may be more to do with the fact that it is a game playing within a browser because you can play it over a browser. And it's also a game that they want to be able to play over Wi-Fi. And the faster a game moves, the harder it is to do over Wi-Fi, right? So it seems like that was maybe more of the intention is to just like keep it a slower paced game because of, um, you know, th those limitations. Now, I'm not saying it's like super slow. Like, like obviously, if you if you play the game right, you probably can like, you know, go fast. Like he... He fought my one of my friends and like, you know, seeing him play was completely different than seeing me play. Um, but but like from a casual perspective, it definitely felt like a very slow game in, in that regard. Um, but I think it just made it a little easier to kind of understand that stuff a little bit more. Um, he did kind of like say that he wasn't sure how modern fighting games have done with this kind of like separation of the previous combo game and like trying to put games back into like the more neutral focus like the neutral game focus with the focus on position and movement and reach but like i don't like part of me is like i don't know like i, I don't necessarily know if like the modern controls it seems like people have embraced modern controls in street fighter 6 so i don't really know if there's an issue with that it seems like Keith probably had more of an issue with that than i i did i don't like those controls but i think for me it's a more of a personal choice where I think he he kind of felt like there was something fundamentally wrong with the way they're being done. Again, this is all very vague discussion, so this is not me speaking for him or anything. But that was like the impression I got from like his discussion about that, and maybe in the way that he's designing that that game, it makes sense. It did make me think a little bit about like Super Smash Brothers. Um, if you know, if it, if there's any fighting game you could say I'm a fighting game fan of, it's Smash Brothers. Yet I have not played it in many years, but. There's there's a lot of reasons for that, <laughs> but um, it, it, I think when I think of Smash Brothers, like it is a game that I feel like does take away execution. There are combos in Smash Brothers, so you know don't get me wrong, but I think when you look at the core of Smash Brothers and like how it's built, execution is definitely and like combo stuff driven stuff is not the focus of that game. It it, it does only feels like a game that's more about you know positioning, movement, and things like that. Um, and so, like, I could definitely see why, like, Smash Brothers is actually, like, probably one of the better examples, in my opinion, of, like, a game trying to do that. It is kind of interesting, though, because Smash Brothers is, like, this full platform fighter kind of thing where you're able to, like, freely move around the environment versus, like, a, a fighter that's, like, a 2D fighter. And so I think a lot of, like, straight uh, Blade Strangers 
um, which is an old, uh, uh, what's it called? Studio Sisons and Fighter featuring characters like Umi Harakwase, the Code Princess characters and things like that. Uh, I know all the biggest franchise <laughs> gunvolts in it. Um, but um, that game like aimed to add in like Super Smash Brothers style moves and like something about it feels out of place. And I feel like that's true in probably a lot of fighting games where like sometimes I feel like the ability to use those kind of like directional input specials doesn't feel as good. And I think a part of it might have to do with like when you use a directional input in Smash Brothers, it has this very like, like almost momentum to it a lot of times. Like when you're doing something like a side special or something like that, pressing B and going left or right, it feels like your character kind of leans into that in a way. Where I feel like a lot of games I've played that have those kind of directional specials, it's not so much that the character feels like that they lean into it. It feels more like they just are triggering a move to happen. And like why there is a distinction there and like why I feel differently there, I'm not really sure. This is one of those things that like I do not know the connection point of why those two things feel different to me. Other than the context of the environment itself, right? One is clearly a side, you know, side to side fighter. Um but like, I don't know what, what, if it, this has to come down to literally just the animation itself, or maybe it's just the context of being on a one-on-one fighter facing each other kind of thing. Right. Um, so that, that is like something that I think is, is, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like that is like maybe one of the more successful cases of that. I know people don't like make fun of smash brothers and stuff. Um, I think, I think people these days respect smash brothers as much as it is a meme to make fun of smash brothers. I don't think anybody like is is like at the point of denying what Smash Brothers is anymore. It's like like yes, it's a weird fighting game, it's a platform fighter specifically, but it still kind of fits within that space. Obviously Nintendo has a lot to say about whether or not it's actually a tournament legal <laughs> game or something like that. Um and you know, I don't I don't recall seeing any Smash Brothers at Evo this year outside of just, you know, casual play at like some of the smaller stands and things like that of like the community uh tournaments and things like that, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's it's a tough question i feel like um and and as somebody who does not engage with fighting games i think it's an even harder question to like wrap my my head around obviously smash brothers does something right um but like yeah i don't know it's, it, it is one of those things that like i would expect it, it may be something like i literally just have too much baggage as somebody who's like spent enough time slapping my hands on like a fighting game controller and just like I need that separation that a game like um um a tough love something, whatever tough love something. Um I need that separation that a game like that has to disconnect my brain from expecting the ability to do punches and kicks separately and things like that. Um but I think it depends on the game. Like I, I, I really enjoyed Dead or Alive a long time ago, and like for the life of me, I can't tell you what buttons do what in Dead or Alive at this point. Like I know I played it a lot. I played like three or four of them, but like I can't tell you how those games control. Um, so yeah, I think in the future, I think a lot of things I get caught up on in, in fighting games right now is the combo execution, and that's important, obviously. But I think in the future, I don't want to think about that too much. Um, I think that's something that like you can figure out later, right? If you really care, you can figure out later and there's games that go out of their way to lower that barrier, right? So it seems like maybe like the spacing is like the bigger thing of just like next time you play a fighting game, just pay more attention to like the space between you and the other person and like what are you doing in that space and how are you reacting to the other player and i imagine like to some degree at some point that neutral game becomes like the the combo part of the game where it's like you just instinctively know what to do right where it's like you just you, like you don't think you just act um and and so like when somebody does something you just do the thing that makes sense right and it's just a matter of who reacts faster um, but I think that probably is something that is, um, more important to me understanding the appeal of fighting games rather than memorization of how does a light hit lead into which of the kicks into which of the heavies into which of the combos like that stuff I think is the boring part of fighting games for me. I think the positioning and movement is in like the reach of characters is what would be more interesting to me. And it's like something, again, you think about when you play video games, 
but maybe I just don't think about it in in like enough in a fighting game. I don't know for sure, but that is my thought. Um, so so yeah, but it is it is it is challenging. <laughs> it is it is like like really trying to find a way to build a bridge because like I think the thing that I think is important here is that while I am very confused a lot of times, like people can tell me things and they make sense, right? When they tell me this information, I get it. But when I go and look at the screen, I don't see that in the game most of the time. It's just not there. I think Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom was like the one that was the most obvious to me. Is like, oh, I kind of get what's happening here. But I think it's something that like, it's very clear the appeal is there. Otherwise, nobody would be there. It's not a giant convention organized to confuse Ben, right? It's a giant convention to celebrate fighting games and what works. And I, it's not like I'm sitting there like saying I don't believe what people like are seeing in these games is important. I think it is. It's obvious, right? It's just a matter of like, how do I build that bridge to get from where I'm at mentally to where somebody else is? And I, I don't necessarily know if like grinding one game is the right choice. I feel like that's the advice everybody gives is that pick a game and get good at it. And I get it. But, like, I don't necessarily think... Maybe it's just, like, not the right choice for me. Because the chances are, I'm just going to get bored of that game eventually at some point. I understand it's going to evolve, but I'm going to hit a cap where it's going to be like, I am not improving to a significant degree. You're starting to, like, just kind of ring at that point. Like, ring, like, the, the parts of that game. Like, you're trying to really ring out, you know, your improvements. And that does add up. Don't get me wrong. There is a significant gap between somebody who just, like, casually plays a game and, like, you know, understands how a game works... For somebody who goes to like a tournament level, but as a casual player who never has any intention to be at a competitive level, like once I get to that top part and I have to ring out the rest of like what the game is, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think I'm willing to do that. So I, I do think it is more of trying to figure out, you know, what game helps make these p- these pieces click for me, right? Um, so I did, um, I don't think I mentioned this yet, but I did show my friend uh, Kengo just out to get his thoughts on the game a little bit. And he did mention that, like, Kengo as a fighting game seems like a very neutral heavy game. Um, and I also saw that, like, people... I, I looked up online later, and people were talking about Dive Kick as being, like, a game that was, like, very good about teaching you about punishment and, like, when to do something or not. Because I, I it's been a long time since I've looked at Dive Kick, but I believe with Dive Kick, like, if you get kicked you are dead, basically. It's just, or, or at least, you, like, the, the, the only thing you can do in that game is dive kick, and then you try to, like, not get caught in it, basically, right? But I think the problem is, like, I don't care about dive kick as a video game. Like, I think the concept is interesting, and I think I can understand where somebody's saying, you know, why that game would be good for learning something like that. But, like, I have no interest or enthusiasm to play that game. Versus, like, Kengo, I do have interest and enthusiasm to play that game, probably due to the setting and, like, the context of the game, right? Um... But, like, finding those right games is, like, really hard. And I, I really felt like Blade Strangers was, like, maybe the closest thing you could probably get to that for me. Blade Strangers and probably, like, Hunex Fighters 98 of just, like, I actually understand. The, like, I know who these characters are. And, like, at the very least, I can, like, relate to a chunk of the cast and, like, what their movesets are. And that's, like, the one outside draw that, like, brought me into those games slightly. <laughs> um, but it is it is something that is really hard to identify it's like it's, it's very much like the shoot 'em up situation for me where like i look at every shooter and they all look the same i look at fighting games and while they're clearly different i can tell i can see which one has characters that have guns with ammo versus which ones have you know like the ability to sidestep versus you know which ones have you know special meter which one has you know whatever 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 right i can tell that but trying to figure out that core game and the appeal of the core of the franchise or the genre is has been a challenge, and that is also a challenge for me for shoot ups as well. Which actually, Sakurai had a video that talked about I forget which game a shooter randomly, and he just talked about like the concept of like being further back on the screen versus closer to the edge of the screen, and how that changes your fire rate and the risk versus reward. And it's like that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> like something like that just was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Like I never thought about it that way, but yeah. That makes sense. So, like, sometimes I think it is just finding the right words and the right concepts to just, like, wrap my mind around. I'm not saying that, like, magically made me care about shooters, but but it made, me, it made something click for me of just, like, oh, there's, like, there's, like, a, like, obviously in shooter, shooters and shut up shooters and things like that, you want to dodge stuff. 
right? And you want to hit the thing. And you want to hit the thing as best you can with as many things as you have to hit them. But the idea that, like, screen position is something that you consider for, like, maximizing your damage is not something, like, I ever really thought about as, like, a core mechanic of that that type of game, right? Again, many video games that also do that. But in the case of shooters, just, like, it never really clicked with me. And so that was, like, a nice little thing that, like, oh, I felt like a little piece of the puzzle to, like, clicked in. And I feel like after Evo, I just got, like, a giant empty puzzle board and, like, a th- ton of pieces that I threw down. <laughs> it was like, all right, what is all this stuff? <laughs> and what does all this mean? <laughs> um, I feel like that is what I ended up with at the end of Evo. Um, I think chances are, if, if I'm at this position next year where, like, I have not done anything and I still just have these pieces in front of me, I really don't see any benefit from me going to Evo. I do not, at this point, I do not care about what I'm seeing at Evo. Like, I like I would sit there and watch fighting games, and I would zone out. And, like, at some point, people would scream, and I'd be like, oh, I'm here, kind of thing, right? Um, and so, like, clearly, I'm not engaged in what's happening. And it's not necessarily, I don't think it's because something what's happening on screen is boring. I just think I can't follow it. Um... And so I think today, looking at what Evo was for me this year, there's just not the chance. I, I just don't think it would be valuable for me to go back again anytime soon. But if I do get in a position where I feel like I've learned something about it, uh, fighting games and like like a way to better appreciate them, I may consider Evo is expensive, I will say. So I will only go one day again, I'm sure. Um, unless like some crazy thing happens where I suddenly become like a fighting game nut chances are that's not happening but um i think i think that would be the big thing that i would need to consider next year if i want to go to evo um but yeah i think in the short term probably for me when it comes to fighting games the big thing is just i think going to be um focusing on on like i guess the positioning part. I think that's the thing. Cause like the combo game and stuff, I don't see myself learning that anytime soon. And I don't see myself. That seems like a very grindy thing to do to sit there and like, try to figure out how these combos work and how these combos connect to each other. Is that important? Absolutely. But in the position that I'm at right now, I don't think it's that important. Um, I think I would much rather think more about positioning and what does that mean um, with other characters? Right. Does that make sense? I don't know. I don't care. I feel like... <laughs> what was it? What was that, like, uh, SpongeBob thing? Like, what I learned at driving school is? I'm like, what I learned at Evo is? <laughs> what I learned at Evo is? <laughs> Fighting. <laughs> Sorry, I just leaned way back in my chair. <laughs> um, anyways, that's it for Evo. Gum- Thank you, Evo. You're welcome. Chipotle sponsored Evo. Not enough Chipotle there. There's a lot of Chipotle logos. I don't see anyone giving out free burritos at, at the Chipotle booth. What's this about? Um, I say that, but like the G Fuel bo- booth at Level Up Expo didn't give out free G Fuel. They're like, you want to buy some G Fuel? And I'm like, what? What is this about? Buying full price G Fuel? If not anything, I think it's probably more expensive G Fuel at a convention. I don't know why 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 do that just give out the free G Fuel I guess if people will buy it I mean the G Fuel booth has people at the booth at Level Up Expo like so I guess they're right what am I doing criticizing them (laughs) whatever throw it to the side um we're gonna get into some news again Jillian we're skipping question this week but thank you again so much for your time Jillian your effort your money all those things (laughs) um anyways we got some video games to talk about. Um, just some th- some games that kind of caught my eye. Um, one is a, uh, I guess you could say like a Valorant clone. Kalabia, uh, baby. Let me try this again. Kalabiao. It's a Chinese game. So I think that name is Chinese. And so it's hard for me. Uh, it's not like Japanese where I can just like, like figure it out by pronunciation, basically. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so I've actually been kind of interested in like team-based shooters for a long time. If you don't know, I skipped out on TF2. Um, I don't like how Overwatch looks visually. Um, in general, like I don't like how Overwatch looks. I don't like how like there's Project L at Evo. I don't like how Project L looks either. It's like something about that, like, 
I don't know. It's that Activision Blizzard, like, vaguely anime, vaguely Western look that, like, I just don't like. And, like, I've never liked how it looked. There's, like, that cat girl with black hair and, like, in League of Legends or at Pro- with Project L. I don't know if they look different between the different games. But I'm just, like, I hate this design and I don't know why. <laughs> like, there's a weird, weird, like, irrational dislike I have for the aesthetics of this game. Um, Valorant, I think, looks okay. Um, but, uh, Anime Girl Valorant was enough. Although, uh, honestly, oh, you know, surprise, Calabio has men as well, which I was, like, actually, like, really excited. I was like, oh, there's anime men, too? Like, after playing Snowbreak Containment Zone, where it's, like, women only, um, it it is nice to have some male characters. Anyways, this is basically, like, a Valorant-style game, so team-based shooter, I think it's, like, 5v5, and in between rounds, you purchase and upgrade equipment again i've never played one of these games i guess like counter-strike is probably like the basis of this right counter-strike go or something like or the original counter-strike um but you know i I, it's something that like i I just haven't really found a game to get into it but i did like the look of this game visually it is kind of just generic anime but i i have a bias towards like generic anime looking things (laughs) um but i was actually showing it to a friend of mine and he said that the maps actually like 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 parts of the maps at least are like cut and paste from counter-strike almost visually they're different but like the the layout and stuff is almost identical but um, it has this weird, like, Paper Mario mechanic to it. And I don't know what's happening here. But the characters go flat. And these are, like, full 3D anime model characters. And they go flat. And then they can, like, either push up against cover or, like, walk around. I don't know how long they can go flat for. I saw one character in the opening just standing there flat the entire time. And, like, if you look at them from the side, it does, like, remove their profile. So, like, I don't know if it's, like, reducing their hitbox size or like just helping them hide more or what it's a really interesting like it doesn't visually match the game at all it's just like all of a sudden paper mario happens <laughs> um but it's it, it, it's a it's weird mechanic and i wish i better understood like what was happening with that i'm sure there's like some impressions out there out there that talk about it but just in the gameplay i was watching just raw gameplay i was like what is the use of this but again i think like my best guess is that it reduces the size of your hitbox and then reduces your visibility right so you could hide against a wall if you wanted to although i'd imagine you know once you get to a certain level in that game you have to probably be pretty creative with like hiding against the wall maybe like in a smoke grenade or something like that versus just like standing there right um they have this like really bizarre wall climbing animation too where they like just kind of like run at the wall and they just kind of float up it i I don't know what was going on with that but anyways um i just kind of like the look of it um and i've been interested in trying to check out a team-based shooter eventually so um at the moment i'm not gonna look at this game uh, because I am currently playing through Snowbreak Containment Zone, and, um, we'll see. I, I'm getting towards the end of, like, the chapters of that story, but it sounds like maybe the requirements for those chapters go up significantly. So if I get to the point where it's, like, I'm 20 levels behind and I want to go to the next chapter, um, there's a good chance I might just fall off Snowbreak Containment Zone, which is fine. It's a live service game. I don't care for the story. I think the story's okay at best. Um, and a lot of the characters I do not care about. The only character I care about is Nita, and I didn't pull her, so I don't have her character story. So, I don't know if you can, like, buy individual characters. I'm at the point where I probably feel comfortable spending, like, 10 or 20 bucks on this game at this point. Like, I feel good about that. And, um, usually if you don't know, like, how I'll handle mobile games and things like that, is I will just give them the money once I'm done playing the game, or once I've determined what I view as my value for my time for that game. Um, and oftentimes that is when I'm done playing the game. So I give the money and then don't use it. But if I can buy Nita specifically, I might go buy Nita and then just get her story through and then just leave it at that. Um, but yeah, I mean, still containment zone is a fun game. I just, it's it's not something that I think I would want to spend, you know, a significant amount of time longer with. And if they're going to really like gatekeep progress to try to keep you playing longer with the story stuff, I think I'm probably good. I don't think I need that in my life. So anyways, Calabia would only come after that at the very least. If it happens, who knows? It may be one of those games that I talk about today and never talk about again. You know what a game that probably is that? The Great Villainist, Strategy of Lily. Um, This is a very like Advanced Wars looking game. Kind of like it just has like soldiers that like kind of stand side by side and like shoot at each other until they die. Basically, <laughs> I don't really know if you, the player, doing much in these, and and I also can't really tell if there's like a strategy element. So I say it's Advanced Wars like, but I actually don't know how much of it is really Advanced Wars, honestly. But it's it's kind of like it's kind of like like army strategy game kind of thing, and so each of these armies are, have like a leader, and um, kind of what the, maybe the appeal of this game is is that everyone kind of has this very like. I don't know, like unhinged would be the right word, look to them, where everyone just looks like uh, a little off and maybe a little bit crazy. 
And um, it seems like the story is kind of leaning into that, where basically it's like this lady, I think she's she was like sent to the guillotine guillotine um and was gonna have her head chopped off and i i can't remember if she does get it chopped off or she like escapes and then like if it does get cut off if it gets restored to her somehow but um it basically seems like you know there's like this scene where she's like talking about there's like the enemy general being like oh i thought i cut your head off or something like that and then i forget what happened there's like a dialogue exchange that's like talking about kissing her her neck her headless neck or something it's like really kind of weird stuff like that or it's like just kind of vaguely weird dialogue. Um, but visually, it's got a kind of a nice look to it. So I just kind of want to bring it up. Visually, looks kind of neat. There's a link in the description if you want to check out what it is. Um, but I just thought it kind of uh, was interesting. Apparently, it's like got some Niji Sanji artist uh, behind the art for it. So I don't remember who it was, though. Um, probably more likely I'm going to end up playing is uh, J- Japanese Rail Sim Journey to K- Kyoto. Um, so I saw another game. I forget. There's like different Japanese rail sim games, I think based off regions in Japan and things like that. And, you know, similar to like Densha Day Go, where you're kind of like controlling a train and like the, I think the braking and stuff comes into play there. Japanese rail sim is basically that, but um, it uses live footage of trains driving rather than uh, rendering that in the world kind of thing. So it is a full motion video game where you're going. And I don't know if that has any impact on like, you know, how the trains, uh, the video footage looks, you know, if you're, if you're going slow, like what does that do? Does that like speed up and slow down footage or something like that? I don't know. But anyways, it looks pretty neat. And apparently it's in English. And I was reading through some of the reviews and the reviews said it was actually a very reasonable game to learn. And it was easier to learn than Dinche de Go. So it sounds like it's like a good first starting point. Um, especially since most of the time when I find Digital Go, it is in Japanese. Although the um, machine I saw at Evo actually was in English, surprisingly. Um, but uh, I thought it looked kind of neat. Um, the Nintendo Switch version had the uh, English language patched into the like physical release, it sounds like. It sounds like maybe the PlayStation version did not. So PlayStation 4 version. So I think I'll probably maybe pick up the Switch version, but it is still holding its value physically. Digitally, there is like a version that's localized and on the eShop as well. I forget how much that costs, but I think it's a budget release, so it's much cheaper. Um, but if I do go for the physical, I think what I'm going to end up doing is when uh, Bot and Kaitos comes out, um, I, I'm pretty much convinced at this point, Bot and Kaitos HD Collection not getting a physical release in the US. I could be wrong, but it, every sign is pointing to it not happening. It's really interesting. I'm, I'm going to guess just like something about the US in particular and like the space that we existed and how large the country is, it just makes it difficult sometimes for companies to bother with this kind of thing. Although, you know, I'm sure every branch has their own financial evaluations of what a physical and digital release will do for them. But Bon Kaitos seems to be probably only releasing physically in Europe and Japan and Asia. So, um, I will probably import the Asia version and uh, probably slap on Japanese Rail Sim with that because I think if I'd, on J List or, or not J List, what is it? Um, what's that website? The oh god, what is it called? Japanese video game website. I'm blanking on it. Play Asia. There we go. Um, Play Asia. Um, when you, uh, I think it's like an order over hundred dollars. I think you get like free shipping or something. So if I bundle those two together, that will put it over a hundred dollars, and I'll get the free shipping probably. So. That will probably be what I do, but we'll see what happens come. I think September is when Bot and Kaitos comes out. So I'll wait and see there. But that that seems like a reasonable plan to me. So anyways, those are some games that just caught my eye. A um, little fun, I don't know, fun news story. Maybe like an interesting predicament story talking to talk about here. Um, is There is a Japanese mobile game called Itsuwari no Alice. And Itsuwari no Alice um, sounds like it is a, a older mobile game. Um, that has kind of like a dedicated fan base. But um, one thing that the mobile developer did was they basically added in like a bar in the game. And this bar is basically how much money do we need to make every month to keep the servers alive? Which I have weird feelings about this. So, you know, obviously the transparency is nice. It would be nice to know how your game is doing and what are the likelihood the game is going to shut down, right? Like, like how, like being transparent with your players, I think is like a very good thing within that regard, especially since these games are things that you can spend money on. And then all really the developers do is say, if you pet spent money before this point, then, um, you know, we can, we can refund you. But if it's been longer than this, then we're just going to assume you got your play time out of that money 
And, you know, it's always just like vague metric of like how much they should refund you and how much they shouldn't refund you or if they should refund you at all. Right. Um, but then I also like worry that like putting this bar in front of the players where it's like, this is the money we need to make every month to keep this game alive is that some people will spend money entirely to feed that bar just to continue to hold on to that game, right? So it's like, I spent $10,000 on this video game and I can't let that go to waste. Therefore, the bar is almost done. It only needs another $1,000. I'll just buy $1,000 worth of currency and keep the game alive for another month, right? Like, so like I appreciate that, but I do feel like there is a very real... <laughs> possibility that somebody will go into that mind space and spend a bunch of money i mean at the end of the day it's their own money they can do what they want um kind of thing right but it is an interesting choice um i'll be curious to see i, I would be curious to see if this news story gets followed up on uh, auto mountain media is the one who uh, reported on this so i'll be curious to see if they follow up on it when it time comes i do not think i will personally follow up on this um, I will say also, just as a side note, I did not follow up on Dragon Quest Champions this week. Sorry, well, I'll, I'll look into it next week and see if it's still on the list of, of highest earning uh, mobile games. But anyways, but I, I, didn't, I don't know if I'll follow up on this. You already know Alice game, but I do hope we get some kind of update on this because I'd be really curious to see, you know, um, if this tactic is something that keeps the game alive or ultimately the game was just so far close to, you know, going under that they decided to no longer uh they, they, they go under right so anyways i thought that was kind of interesting um and then lastly well kind of i have two news stories i'm saving the illusion news stories for last per usual just because it deals with sexy time video games so if you guys want to hear about sexy time video games at the end of the show you can if you don't want to hear about sexy time video games you can skip it um, but before we get into that thing, um, I want to talk about the future of Final Fantasy XI. I'm going to hope this segment doesn't take too long because we are getting pretty long already, but we'll see. I think I'd just rather get this out of the way now because I, I read about this and would like to just go through it. So just a heads up, this is from a four gamer interview. Um, so it is machine translated. That does not mean anything here is 100% accurate or anything like that. However, I think for the most part, it seems likely these are the things that are coming into play here. So... Um, so if you don't know, Final Fantasy XI, yeah, to update you on the current status of that game, um, a while ago, they were like, a long time ago, they were like, we're going to stop making story for this game and basically put Final Fantasy XI into like a hibernation state. Um, and they did that and they finished it with Rhapsody's of Vanadeel. I finished that. So I was like, oh, you beat Final Fantasy XI. However, the game had like a, like success afterwards and um i can't remember if this is like related to grand blue fantasy or not but i know there's like a big like brick burst of players when grand blue fantasy did its, its crossover event with final fantasy 11 but um but basically they decided with final fantasy 11 that they were going to continue development of the game um and continue the story and that result of that was the uh Vorisius, Vorisius resurgence uh expansion i forget when this started it was a while ago though i'm pretty sure um it Fine, that expansion finally ended in May. Uh, along with this expansion ending, it's also the producer left the company not too long ago, or left uh, the team not too long ago, so there's a new producer. And um, he was getting, he had an interview that was like the future of Final Fantasy XI, but he more or less didn't say anything. This this interview seems a lot more um, substantial. I just, sorry, I just like spat when I said that. It's a lot more substantial in like the information it's giving um, and specifically kind of the future of the game and also like some of the challenges they had and some of their thoughts on like how to archive Final Fantasy XI in the future and things like that. So I think like one of the biggest things that they, they talked about more than anything um, was, uh, well, maybe not one of the biggest things, but like it's probably most relevant as if you're a player of the game or looking to play the game still is that, you know, they basically said they're not planning on doing any major content at the moment in the case, in, the, in the style of, like, another story expansion. It sounds like uh, the Voracious Resurgence expansion for now is kind of the last planned thing for that. Um, you know, what they've said in the past is that Final Fantasy XI, you know, is a game that they basically just keep checking the profits every year, and they kind of make plans based off those profits every year, or every six months, I think is what it is. Um, but so in the future right now, they're going to focus on quality of life updates um, with one of the things that they actually said was like trying to create some consistency between parts of the game. One of the interesting things they mentioned, and this is something that I don't see in a lot of um, live service games and I think would be very helpful, is 
the ability for the player to stop certain story progress from happening. And what I mean is with that is that like there are things in Final Fantasy XI as a game that if you there are no requirements to start it. And how you start it is usually just like entering an area. However, the actual level to do that content is often required for you to be at a higher level. So you'll start the game as a new player, walk in an area, get a cutscene that happens, and then you will never see this cutscene in the rest of the time you play the game if you don't like get too far into it, or until you're way later on and decide to do that cu- that cutscene. So it sounds like what they're they're planning on doing is basically have a way for the player to say, I want to focus on the early content of this game and the early story. And it sounds like it will basically temporarily prevent them from making progress in those story events, which I think is very cool if they're able to do that. And I think that's something that live service games in general would be very cool if they did it as well. Because there's so many live service games where if you start the game late, you will join in and just stuff just gets poured out in front of you. And you're kind of left there to figure out what is the thing that matters to me, the player. And usually it's not that hard to figure out, but it's just this very awkward experience when you start a game where they just dump everything in front of you and then you got to figure it out. Um, and it's just like all this bulk that is built up. So so I think that's like a really interesting change and like a really good one to make if they can make that work. It sounds like they, they have said that it's basically coming along. So again, machine translation, but from the interview, that is like my understanding of like what they were talking about. And they also talked about like cross server events being possibly something they're going to do. If you don't know, in Final Fantasy 14, you can kind of like jump between servers using like a duty finder system. I don't know if this is what they're talking about in this, this thing, but they said this is going to be more of an experimental thing. So they didn't give any details beyond just saying they're kind of working on that now and seeing if that's a possible thing where players on different servers can play um, um, with each other. So that was kind of like the, the the talk when it came to actual content updates for the game going forward. So it sounds like it's going kind of back into what that original plan was, more of a hibernation element of just keeping this game running and doing quality of life updates for the players. Um, so within that vein, they mentioned that the full-time staff for the game has decreased since um since the last producer switched over um and they have kind of continued to talk about this idea that like final fantasy 11 working on final fantasy 11 is like often a detriment to people at the company i mean not to say that they don't like it but like final fantasy 11 is a game built on like the playstation 2 and so they are still as far as i'm aware utilizing hardware from that era um, or at least elements from that era to continue to make Final Fantasy XI work. Um, and so what happens is like you have a lot of like really old technology and really old systems that they have. And it sounds like basically at this point, they're not really bringing new people into the team. They're basically use, utilizing like people who are veterans and know how to work with it at this point. Cause there's not a lot of value in teaching them how to use this hardware. It sounds like, um, so they've mentioned this before, but yeah, there's like career implications to them working on Final Fantasy XI because if they have to move to another team, their like ability to utilize that person is you know hampered by the fact that they are working on very dated technology that's not really related to modern game de- game development, right? So they talked a little bit about that again. Um, that's that's old news for the most part, but I think it's worth reiterating in this particular thing. Um, but they have talked about replacing like server hardware and things like that. Um, and they basically said that they, they were able to switch out the servers with some new hardware. And it sounds like they're basically running the servers in like what would probably would be like a V box, like a virtual box on a machine at this point where it's like emulating the hardware in a software environment kind of thing now. Um, but they did talk about like what, what it would cost for them to move away from like the PS2 environment of the game. And it sounds like reworking Final Fantasy XI to work in a modern sense to them would basically be the cost of like a full video game. And so at that point there's like, what is the point? <laughs> um, um, and they actually talk about Final Fantasy 11, the concept of Final Fantasy 11 offline pretty extensively um, in this interview, which I thought was interesting. And, and he more or less said that it's like, that's great. Um, and that he would love to like archive Final Fantasy 11 in some ways. Um, but he also thinks that like, again, it would take a ton of money to do that just doesn't make sense it would be a difficult thing for them to, you know, sell to the company. 
but also that like it just wouldn't be the same and i think this is like pretty obvious stuff like i think everyone says like well playing final fantasy 11 offline just wouldn't be the same as playing it online because it's this very you know multiplayer oriented experience and in some ways you know what final fantasy 11 online was 20 years ago is different from what final fantasy 11 was today or is today right um but he, he did mention like it, it seems very likely that this game will eventually shut down and just be gone essentially um but it sounds like he is kind of adamant on making sure there is something there now if you know when we talk about this shutting down and being gone this is in an official capacity right because there are fan servers out there and if you want to play final Fantasy 11 in, in states that more re- accurately represent the game 10 20 years ago um that's available out there if you want to do that with fan servers and stuff but um i do think like you know from a company perspective making sure final fantasy 11 doesn't fall out of the i like the head the mindset of square enix is important in a, in a lot of ways especially as a numbered final fantasy right um but um he did mention the idea of like maybe some kind of remake but he mentioned that like modernizing it would kind of lose the core of what final fantasy 11 is which i think is probably true although i've always kind of stand by the fact that like i think the final fantasy 11 grandmasters on mobile um was a game that really tried to embrace the multiplayer element of final fantasy 11 and party forming on the fly basically and so it kind of gave i think a sense of community to like a small number of players at, at in small bite-sized chunks that i thought was like really successful so um that was my in- initial impressions of that game but it sounds like that that is a concern that like remaking it would make it it would be difficult to make sure final fantasy 11 stays final fantasy 11 without losing the core of like what makes it interesting to play kind of thing so anyways i thought like i i, I do like the final fantasy 11 interviews because i feel like they're at this point just very straightforward and honest about like what's happening with that game um, I do think like the, the, the very like sympathetic way they talk about how developers on the team are impacted by working on Final Fantasy 11 is like a very admirable thing for them to include in those discussions and things like that. So I think that's very cool. Um, they did say they want to try to get it running for another 10 years. They said the server hardware that they bought for 11 should function for 10 years. Um, and they want to continue to run the game for another 10 years. But again, they're kind of taking it case by case. And, you know, once it's not profitable, then the game will shut down. So anyways, it was a good interview with the uh, producer. I forget his name, but um, the new producer who's working on the game, he's been, he's been there with them for a long time. So, um, but yeah, but uh, I, I guess one thing I should say is that they kind of, um, for the, they've mentioned this before, but like for the developers working on Final Fantasy 11, they tip, typically will temporarily transfer them to new projects so they can get some experience in newer games and things like that. So they're not entirely like left behind, from uh from working on Final Fantasy 11 um to, to, to you know full time or or whatever it would be so so yeah and our last news story here is the ongoing update to Illusion Games <laughs> um so Illusion Games oh I think we talked about it last week that they had relaunched their Twitter account as Project I18 and they posted a Twitter image well they announced a new game called Honeycomb. And they announced that their new company is called Ill Games, which stands for Innovative, Liberty, Lovely Games. Very Japanese way to use English words. <laughs> but anyways, um, and so like, I think last week I had kind of mentioned that I was like, well, maybe it's like a good reset point for them to start on new tech. Honeycomb does not look like new tech. <laughs> it looks like it is basically running off. Um, I think I mentioned it before the game, Koikatsu Sunshine. It's their anime style, like porn game or whatever, um, which I don't think looks particularly good. Um, it largely looks like that game. Um, I, the setting's a little different. I, I can't remember if it's like in a, like, I don't know. I think it's like in a, I don't know, would brothel be the right word to put it? <laughs> Um, fancy sex club, maybe is the way to put it, but, um, it is set in there, but yeah, it largely looks the same from what I saw of Koikatsu Sunshine and every, yeah, pretty much everything looked the same other than the environment set in. So like, I have to wonder if them shutting down illusion games is just like a business reason at this point, right? Like for tax stuff, for getting out of like like getting rid of all this stock of physical games they had like how can they write it off kind of thing because it seems like illusion games is still just going 
it's interesting that they basically have delisted all their games, maybe in that same fashion of just like, it's more beneficial to us to kill these games than to not. Um, which, you know, like it, it is a very pirate heavy series. I think as with like a lot of sexy time stuff on the internet, people tend to want to get it for free. So I think that is maybe a thing as well. So anyways, um, so it looks like false alarm in terms of if you only care about new illusion games, seems like they're going strong of repurposing their Koikatsu engine. <laughs> um, but as far as I'm aware, all the old stuff is still going. So, you know, if you do want to get that stuff, I believe uh, August 18th is the last day that you can buy that stuff digitally. The physical store sales have shut down, I believe, at this point. And I believe the updaters for those games as well also shut down uh, on August 18th. So if you're interested in that stuff, there you go. Okay. Not that long of a show. I mean, like I said, it's, it's, it's over an hour on my recording side at the very least. Um, but I think that is a reasonable amount of time for a show. Thank you again for coming this week. Uh, onecontrolworld.com is the website. Uh, no new content this week. Yeah, no new content. Um, I did put up another, like, Kofi post if you want to go read that. It's talking about um, basically kind of how I feel about humor in my videos and stuff and like where I draw the line with that stuff and like what, like where things have gone wrong in the past a little bit and things like that. So if you're interested in some of that behind the scenes stuff, there's a post over on Kofi. If you want to go check that out, um, it is free and available. So feel free to just go read it. Um, you do not need to donate money though. Any support is appreciated for that if you want to. But otherwise, that's going to be it for this week. Thanks for coming. Um, I don't know what's coming up next week. I'll talk about something next week. Maybe Dragon Mark for Death PS4 finally? Maybe. We'll see. Life has many things going on. I'm going. Goodbye. Have a good weekend. Week. Sorry, I know it's a Monday. Bye. <laughs>